www.netivyah.org. Nativia Bible Instruction Ministry presents Teaching from Zion, Volume 24, August 2008. The Lord's Supper and the Breaking of Bread by Itzhak Kugler the term Lord's Supper is found in 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul gives instructions to the Gentile believers in Corinth as to how to behave at such a meeting. In Acts, however, Luke uses a Jewish expression, the breaking of bread. The term breaking of bread occurs many times in Jewish literature and especially in the Jewish literature of the Mishnaic period which very often relates to practices in the final years of the Second Temple era, the community of the Nutzrin. In order to understand the breaking of bread, we need to understand some things about the early church. The early Jewish believers in the land of Israel were called Nutzrin. The community which is described in the first chapters of Acts was a community of Jewish inhabitants of the land of Israel. All of their customs were rooted in the Judaism of the land of Israel in the late Second Temple period. The difference between this community and the rest of the Jews in the land was not so much between customs, but rather between the principles of its faith, the gospel it preached, and the life lived by its members, the principal congregational activities of the Nazarene. Acts 2.42 describes the three principal activities of the Nazarene in Jerusalem, and these were, 1. The teaching of the apostles, 2. The fellowship in the breaking of bread, and 3. The prayers. Many translations, and even the UBS Greek text, have a comma after the word fellowship, but the Greek grammar makes the fellowship an integral part of the breaking of bread. The Lord's Supper in the breaking of bread was the means to the center of and the heart of fellowship in the early Messianic Jewish community in Jerusalem. The large gatherings of the Nazarim were principally for the teaching of the apostles. These early believers usually met in the temple precincts in the same way that Yeshua taught the crowds in the temple. Paul and Barnabas taught the congregation in very large audiences in Antioch. In 1 Corinthians, we can see some of Paul's instructions to the community there in chapters 14 and following. The large gatherings were public events where uninitiated persons could enter, listen, and observe. Paul mentions this possibility in 1 Corinthians 14.23. The Nature of the Breaking of Bread Meeting The other kind of meeting in the ancient church was the breaking of bread. In Acts 2.46, Luke reports that the breaking of bread was one of our outstanding activities of the community of believers. In the Greek of verse 46, there is only one main verb, sharing, metalabanon, and all the other actions are represented as participles that serve as modifiers for the main verb. In other words, they were sharing their food in their various residences whenever they broke bread, and they did this by praising God with overflowing joy and in sincerity of heart. We can learn from the way Luke wrote his report, therefore, that the breaking of bread was an integral part of their meals together. 
It is a mistake to think of the breaking of bread as a separate ceremony from the supper or from the fellowship. One might mistakenly think that this description of the Lord's Supper or the breaking of bread in Acts contradicts the proscription on eating food at the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians. A rereading of 1 Corinthians 11, however, reveals that the last words and summary of the Apostles' comments on the subject are, Therefore, my brethren, when you gather to eat, wait for one another. In other words, the stated purpose of the gathering was to eat. The scriptures must be interpreted according to their plain, simple sense and in the context of the whole of the scriptures. We must set aside our preformed opinions and attachments to traditions. In light of all the contexts which mention the breaking of bread, the cultural background and the context of Israelite worship in the Old Testament, Paul would never have forbade eating at the breaking of bread. Centuries of church tradition make one thing that Paul forbade eating at the breaking of bread, but the tradition began outside the land of Israel after the first century. Paul wanted to correct an improper manner of eating at the breaking of bread. He wanted to point out that the purpose of their meeting was for fellowship and for remembering the Lord and not merely to fill one's stomach. This Jewish apostle was aghast to learn that these Greek believers had turned the breaking of bread into an orgy of eating in which, instead of sharing their food together, some were eating of the overabundance that they brought for themselves and their family, while others of lesser means were going hungry. Such behavior was not discerning the body. The Breaking of Bread in Rabbinic Literature Rabbinic literature preserves a great amount of material testifying to the existence of the well-rooted custom of breaking bread in the Jewish culture of the Second Temple and Mishnaic period. One can find many of these sources in the Hebrew articles in the Talmudic Encyclopedia on Betziah, breaking, and Havdalah, division, because the breaking of bread mostly took place at the Havdalah service at the end of Shabbat. The Form of the Breaking of Bread The breaking of bread was the act at the completion of the blessing pronounced over the food in a ceremonial supper. The Nazarim in the land of Israel broke bread in their homes because that was the extant custom. There is no reason to think that they broke bread in their homes because of lack of choice or out of fear, because Acts 5 shows them openly meeting in large groups in Solomon's court of the temple in Jerusalem. Rather, as was the custom and the rule, they reclined at the tables in their homes. They did this because the Messiah Yeshua commanded them to remember him every time they broke this bread and drank from this cup. The fellowship mentioned in Acts 2.42 was an integral and inseparable component of their meetings because the breaking of bread was a supper where the believers shared their food with one another in private residences. In every culture, eating together is a ritual which promotes friendship and peace. There are very few situations in which people are willing to eat at the same table with their enemies. People do not readily eat with strangers. And if the situation does arise, they are quick to make acquaintance with the people who sup at the same table. Jean Donadou reports that it was Greek-speaking churches which were the first to separate between the Eucharist and the common meal that was characteristic of the early church. 
Gabriel Grossman of Beit Yeshiyahu in Jerusalem reported in a private conversation that Latin churches were known to have common meal at their Eucharist until the period when the church became a large movement and it became difficult to distribute even a small bite to everyone in one hour. The cessation of the custom to break bread in a love feast or common meal conducted in private homes and accommodations took place among believers outside of the land of Israel and after the close of the first century apostolic period. Breaking Bread in Homes Luke reports in Acts 2.46 that the believers were sharing their food together in their homes. In many translations, it appears as if all of them went together from house to house. Logically, this practice would have been impossible, however, because the early church in Jerusalem numbered in the thousands, and they could not have all fit in one single residence. The number of participants depended on the size of the residence, and that is why the text says, according to the home, kata oikionon, which is often mistranslated from house to house. Yeshua first invested new meaning in this custom in an upper room of a residence. In Acts 20, the believers gathered to break bread in an upper room of a residence. In no case was the breaking of bread conducted as an open meeting where observers, the curious, and others could enter and observe. Rather, it was an intimate celebration for the family of believers. In Jude 12, it is called the Love Feast. The Role of Women in the Breaking of Bread Women's voices would naturally be heard in the breaking of bread meeting in prayer and prophecy because it was a home meeting isolated from the public with a different character than a public meeting. A meeting which is in the home or in a private place that involves believers sharing their food at a table is an entirely different context from a public meeting. It is significant that the only place in Pauline instruction where women's voices were supposed to be heard occurs in 1 Corinthians 11 the very chapter where the instructions for the Lord's Supper are recorded. It is possible that the participation of women in the breaking of bread ceremonies among the Nazarene was more progressive than all the other sects in Israel, for this writer found no record of women in breaking of bread ceremonies in any of the rabbinic sources. In the Messiah, women receive respect and also the same spirit that is poured out on the whole community. Therefore, the women among the Nazarene were active in prayer and prophecy in the breaking of bread service. On the other hand, Paul enjoins women to silence and submission in public gatherings of the community where there is ministry and teaching. His arguments from this restriction were, one, that it is not customary in the churches of God, i.e. those in the land of Israel. Two, that it is contrary to the Torah. Three, and that such activities bring shame on the church if done by women. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34 through 36, and chapter 11, verse 16. All of these arguments represent the norm in Israel since ancient times. One should note that unlike all the cultures of the ancient world, Israel uniquely did not have an order of priestess. Every other culture had priestesses, temple cult prostitutes, and the like. These are customs from Egypt, Phoenicia, Greece, Rome, Babylon, and the cult of Baal that plagued Israel and Judea in the kingdom period.
Therefore, even though it may have been in keeping with Greek culture for women to take an active part in liturgy, the apostles set down the norm held to in Israel and forbade women's participation in the liturgy of public gatherings of the church. The failure of believers to distinguish between the ministry meeting and the breaking of bread meeting has caused confusion in the whole body of Messiah regarding the activities of women in the congregation. One whole segment totally disregards the teaching of the New Testament regarding women leading in prayers, teaching, and public ministry, while the other half totally silences the women to the congregation's great loss and spiritual damage of the women. The place for the women's voices to be heard in prayer and prophecy is in the breaking of bread meaning, and in this context women can have a powerful influence for good on congregational life. The Time of the Breaking of Bread the earliest practice in the early church was to break bread on Motzei Shabbat, Saturday evening. The believers in Troas broke bread on Motzei Shabbat according to what Luke records in Acts 20, verse 7 and 8. And it came to pass on the first of the Shabbat, when we gathered to break bread. And he prolonged his speaking until midnight, and there were many torches in the upper room into which we had gathered. The term first of the Shabbat is a Hebraism, which refers to the first day of the week. It is important to avoid the confusion between the Hebrew reckoning of days, which is from sundown to sundown, and the Latin reckoning of days, which is from midnight to midnight. After sundown of the Shabbat, Saturday, the first day of the week has begun. If it had been Sunday evening, Luke would not have been able to write on the first of the Shabbat, because Sunday evening is the second of the Shabbat. That it was evening is evident from the mention of many torches, and that Paul prolonged his speaking until midnight. A survey of Talmudic sources shows that the custom of Jews in the Second Temple period, and continuing onwards at least to the end of the Mishnaic period in the land of Israel, was to always set the table on Mozart's Shabbat for the purpose of Havdalah, a ceremony separating between the sanctity of the Shabbat and the secular days of the week. In those days, Havdalah was in the context of a supper at the table set for the purpose of breaking of bread. The Jewish custom of breaking bread on Mozart's Shabbat, which is the beginning of the first day of the week, led to the Christian custom of meeting on Sundays. There is no evidence at all that the Jewish believers met on Shabbat. Somehow, by the second century, Christians started meeting on Sundays. The weekly meeting on Saturday night after the Shabbat, Motzi Shabbat, was converted to meetings on Sunday morning. The number of Nutzrin, Hebrew-speaking Messianic Jews, was not small in those early centuries, and their influence on the people of Israel was not small either. The rabbi Yohanan bar Nafa, founder of the yeshiva of Tiberias, lived around the year 250 A.D. and was called one of the pillars of the Jerusalem and Babylonian Talmud. Indeed, the amount of material attributed to him is great. He says in Ta'anit, And on the eve of Shabbat, people do not fast out of honor for the Shabbat. And on the Shabbat herself, on the principle of deducing the weightier from the lighter, and not on the first of the Shabbat because of the Nutzrim. The whole congregation of Israel avoided fasting on the first of Shabbat. 
i.e. the first day of the week, for the mysterious reason because of the Nozrim. These Nozrim were not Gentiles, as it's the custom to think in Israel today, but rather Jews who followed the Nazarene. Their custom was fixed on Motzi Shabbat, the first of the Shabbat, to remember their Lord and Savior Yeshua, the Messiah, in the breaking of bread. Nativia, www.netivyah.org